What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 86 of the Talking Chop Podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, joining me for the first time in exactly one week. His name is Scott Coleman. What's up, Scott? I think this has to be the first podcast we've done without copy as GM. Is that right? Uh, that is true, uh, I believe. Yeah, I think I think we started, uh, I think Carlos and I started after that. So yeah, that's that's accurate. So I mean, A I, new I, era. Yeah, I guess uh, technically Monday when Eric and I did an emergency episode, that was a that was a post copy era, but that was sort of in response to that. So you yeah. and I for sure, uh, yeah. And it's going to be it's interesting. Obviously, it's uh, a lot of stuffs happened since the last time we podcasted. You and I, especially Eric and I, sort of touched on the things that it was even more fuzzy on uh, on Monday evening when we talked. So uh, I mean, go back and listen to that. I would encourage people to listen to that podcast. But uh, obviously, I've not heard your thoughts on the subject. So, so I, I guess the easiest way to do this is like, what, what were your overall thoughts when it hit? Uh, beyond like, you know, oh bleep, this is actually crazy. Uh, and, uh, obviously, we can we can sort of go on from there. Yeah, where to begin, man? Um, you know, as you said, we talked a week ago, and you could ask me, you know, to, for you know a million dollars to get as close as possible to what would have happened this off season, and. I, you probably could have given me 50 guesses and I wouldn't say that uh, copy would have been fired. Uh, you know, nonetheless, uh, you know, a full on MLB investigation into copy and the Braves. And um, really, it's an ugly situation. If you read the articles from Ken Rosenthal and, and he's kind of been the, the driver behind all of this uh, really for the last month or so with all the dysfunction and, and then Jeff Passan's article uh, I think he's with the New York Daily News with just kind of stemming of what exactly uh, they kind of threw, uh, you know, threw a flag on the Braves for with the international spending and tampering and all kinds of stuff came out. I mean, everything from the kind of juking the rules a little bit with the international free agents to I, I don't remember who said it, but, you know, that the report of that copy was calling a player, uh, you know, a free agent to be his agent two months before even last year ended. Uh, which is just an obvious, you know, violation of tampering rules. Uh, you know, historically, I think as, as GMs and front offices have, um, you know, people have come and gone. It seems like there's always a lot of uh, a lot of dirt that gets spilled. Um, I think people will remember with, with when Frank Wren left, um, all of a sudden he was the worst guy in the world, and a week before you had ne- never heard any of it. Um, so it was certainly a surprise to me. Um, I, I did not expect it, and obviously it, it kind of, uh, turns the page and brings the Braves into a new era of of baseball. Yeah, it's obviously pretty crazy. I think it's 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 really interesting, and, I, and we're going to talk about some specific stuff moving forward. Now, I do want to always touch on this stuff with you. I think it's interesting to me. Uh, you mentioned sort of how it's been put. A lot of uh, there's been some divide on that. You know, there's been a lot of people talking about. Uh, how you know most of the things, or if not all the things, Copy's been accused of are kind of uh, you know standard oper- standard operating procedure, and that a lot of teams do this stuff, and it's sort of you know you never want to assume, but based on a lot of people that are in, you know closer in the industry than you and I are, I kind of think that that's uh, I don't want to say definitely the only the only scenario, but it's definitely one scenario out there in which uh, he basically is going to get popped for things that everyone does. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's that's that's kind of tough to think about it. If you think that's a possibility, if you're a Braves fan and if you're a fan of copy, especially, it's like kind of like, well, why are you guys coming after us? But then, you know, it's the whole wave of uh, anti-copy sentiment, which uh, you know. Uh, you just kind of mentioned it's uh, it's similar to Ren and it's also different in that it's uh, been a lot more specific. Some and at least in some ways uh, with copy, there was this whole notion of like like a couple of reports that were like basically everyone didn't like him, and it's like well that's not true. I know people that didn't say that even after the fact. There's been some reporting 
the contrary of that. So it's always in the middle. It's kind of you have to pick your side as to what you kind of believe. And um, there's also sort of the, the side plot, I mean, the subplot of uh, there's a divide now in the media as to whether there's really uh, any infighting in the front office currently. Um, there's one side that thinks that this was kind of all that we were talking about is the copy stuff. And, now the, and then there's the other side that says, no, no, like, you know, Hart and Scherholz and uh, there's all this dysfunction. So, uh, we, again, we don't know, but we're going to talk about it. We're going to kind of give our opinions based on the fact that I know uh, you and I have been reading basically everything that there is to read on this subject. So we're going to kind of do what we can do. But, uh, you know, one of those reports was that John, you know, John Heyman, who's always very plugged in in front offices, you know, very, very well-respected well guy. I think, um, you know, for me, you, you could easily argue that John Heyman and Ken Rosenthal are like the two most plugged in people in the entire uh, sport, and those are the two guys that have kind of been uh, reporting from the front lines on a lot of this stuff. Um, but Heyman reported that Scherholz and Harder are quote unquote at odds, um, even right now, even in the post copy era, and that sort of uh, is uh, sort of brings about the question of just how 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 dis how this dysfunctional is the front office even now, even if you take a copy out of the mix, like just the the the, the forward facing direction of what the Braves are looking at now in the post copy era. They always have to hire a GM. We'll talk about this about that in a second. But there's this whole other cloud hanging over the franchise and. And, the, and, and that what you know, there's a lot of basically discussion as to whether these guys even get along, or if there's really a cohesive direction right now. Yeah, and uh, who knows? I mean, I think unless you're one of the four or five uh, guys in those meetings every single day, who knows? And and again, it's you don't have to be best friends with everybody you work with. You just have to be able to be productive and work with them. But uh, it really just sounds like kind of from the top and all the way down, um, there's just a lot of cooks in the kitchen and I'm not sure anyone knows who's doing what exactly, or maybe even there are a couple of people who think they have to do everything and that's not the case. Um, you know, personally, I, I think it would be in the Braves' best interest long-term at least, uh, to clean house, uh, at the very top and just kind of bring in, um, you know, just kind of a new regiment under, you know, Terry McGurk, of course, kind of gets final say on everything. He obviously is, is very close with Sherholtz and, and, and presumably Hart, uh, but I, I'm one person who thinks just an entire regimen change would be would be welcome for the Braves. Um, but I, I don't quite see that coming. I'm not sure that this uh, quite warrants all of that. Um, but again, I think in the coming weeks, as we learn more and more about what exactly uh, Major League Baseball is going to do to the Braves as far as sanctions or penalties, um, I, I guess it's possible. I wouldn't rule out anything. It also uh, would be interesting to kind of hear what Liberty Media thinks of all this. I know they've been... Uh, mentioned and, and you know at the end of the day for Liberty especially it's a business um, and it'd be fascinating to hear kind of their take on it and if they're in favor of kind of clearing out you know from the top down um, or if, if they're going to kind of play this off as a more of a minor thing and and just kind of make a few changes uh, there's certainly some holes to fill in the front office but not completely overhaul uh, basically you know the the five or six guys who run the whole franchise yeah it's like basically been a case study as to uh how reporting can be different on a lot of this stuff. It's like there's there's the one faction that kind of believes that Sherholtz is really super involved still, and then there's the whole other side of it. It's like, you know, Sherholtz is a figurehead, doesn't do anything. And it's like, well, which is it? And all these question marks, and you kind of have to read between the lines. But there is the the actual decisions to be made. You know, John Hart you know, has said on the record a couple times now that he, he plans to be around, but at this moment he's not under contract for next season. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's sort of looming over all of this stuff. And, uh, you know, some of the specifics we, we can sort of get into now. Um, there's the whole, basically, the notion of whether Hart comes back at all. Um, even though, you know, I thought it was interesting when, when, we'll talk about this later on the podcast, but I thought it was interesting that he was quoted in the release that, that announced the Brian Snicker uh, option pickup. So that sort of speaks to, uh, you know, 
obviously he's making that decision because he's still employed by the Braves. But uh, you know, it wasn't like they were distancing themselves from John Hart in that in that moment, which I thought was at least uh, you know peripherally interesting. But um, there's all the reporting around Dayton Moore, um, the former uh, former Braves assistant GM, now has been in uh, in Kansas City for a while, sort of built that contender, at actually you know the World Series team in Kansas City, and there's been a lot of talk about him. Uh, the Boston Globe's Nick Cafardo was now reporting that uh, Dayton Moore would need full control in order to take the job in Atlanta. Um, and it seems to be, you know, most of the reporting is that if he got it, he would probably come. But that, of course, means that John Hart would have to be out because, uh, in short, all the reporting is that Dayton Moore is not going to be working for John Hart. Uh, so that's that's one thing. that He's the biggest name that we've heard over and over again in this process is Dayton Moore. But, it, you know, it seems like it's, it's cut and dry as it could possibly be is that he's not going to come and just be the GM under John Hart. So that's, that's one question. And uh, also within that same uh, report from Cafardo, who's usually plugged in as well, uh, he actually indicated that the Braves are eyeing a, a more quote-unquote traditional candidate rather than a quote-unquote analytics type which I think uh, my alarm started going off when I read that to a, to a certain extent because especially if you were to keep Hart, I think you were, uh, I mean, you, you, you almost don't want to say somebody like copy because of things that have gone wrong, but I think if you were to keep Hart, it would be really distressing to have Hart as a very traditional person and then have him hire a very traditional person. That's kind of scary for people like uh, you and I that like care about the numbers and you know the way that baseball is going and the teams that are really succeeding are usually the teams that uh, at least uh, have an eye towards that stuff. So that's the big name, and there's the other guys we can talk about as well. But it's sort of the, the biggest question now, aside from just uh, you know all the sanctions and stuff. And I think we we kind of just don't know at this point. But it's it's basically just is John Hart going to be this guy in 2018 and beyond? Because they have to decide that before they can really decide much else. You know, it's interesting. You would think that if they were 100% set on keeping Hart, then, you know, why wouldn't you give him a contract, especially, you know, when they extended Snicker this week? You know, you would think you would just kind of get both of them uh, just kind of taken care of. So that kind of perked my ears a little bit. I think with Moore, I think the upside, or maybe not the upside, but the appeal of Dayton Moore is, and a couple folks have echoed this this week, you know, he has a squeaky clean reputation. He's very well respected within the industry. Um, a good guy, not a rule breaker, so to say. Um, and not that that means that you're going to be a good GM because, you know, everybody wants to have dinner with you at the at the GM meetings. Um, but you can see why as the Braves kind of come out of this uh, scandal or whatever you want to refer to it as, why they would want someone with a, you know, a clean background, a, you know, a strong reputation among uh, among his peers. So I can see why Dayton Moore would be you know, appealing here again, I'm not sure that Sherholtz and McGurk are ready to just kind of kick, uh, John Hart out because, uh, as you mentioned, it sounds like in with reason Dayton Moore isn't going to come over here to, you know, to report to John Hart every day. Uh, they're both very accomplished and, you know, you can understand why if Moore was to come over, uh, he would want to be the president of, of baseball ops and, and kind of have free reign to hire a GM and his special assistants and everything like that. Yeah, it's it's super weird. I mean, all of it is very weird. That's sort of the overarching theme of the last week or so is that it's all this gray area, all this weirdness. But, you know, it's sort of the same sentiment that we've talked about a lot of times with Brian Snicker is that, you know, and we can talk about that now, I guess, to a certain, to a certain extent is that um, they didn't really give Snicker anything anything uh, in terms of like a strong vote of confidence. They picked up his option for 2018. He's 
already a lame duck manager. Like as soon as you pick up his option, he's on a one year contract with no option, and he has uh, he's like almost on the hot seat immediately. Uh, and you know, it, with Hart, he doesn't even have that. So it, it's just there's this very limbo period. There's some reporting that the Braves aren't going to do anything until after the World Series. Uh, it was uh, the Marriott Mary Daily Journal reporting that they were basically going to wait till the sanctions come down and all this stuff. It's very it's very uh, sketchy is the way that I would put it and sort of the simplest way to put it. But for me, I've seen kind of all I need to see from John Hart, to be honest with you. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of on the, in the same way that you are where it's, it's time. I think it's time to go in a different direction. But at the same time, it doesn't seem like the Braves are super eager to do that because um, they probably could have already done that if they wanted to. I, I don't know. It's uh, I, I'm sort of in favor of that. But if you were to keep John Hart, I'd like to have him hire someone that's more forward thinking. I just think that's the worst case scenario for me is John Hart uh, with, with a GM that's also super traditional, um, you know, quote unquote safe, all that stuff. I don't really love that pairing. Uh, Dayton Moore is not a guy that I'm in love with by any means. I didn't love everything he did in Kansas City. I know it resulted no. in a World Series, um, but uh, at, at, the, at the same time, I wouldn't absolutely hate that move. Um, provided that, and I, I think that's the only way that it happens is that he actually is given full control. Uh, that's not that, that would not be number one on my list by any means. But uh, there are worse there are worse scenarios. We'll talk about one I, I saw you tweeting about today, where uh, John Hart basically stays around and then hires Dan Jennings, the former uh, Marlins GM that also sort of bizarrely managed the team and is now the assistant to the GM in Washington. I know you sort of hate that scenario. That's something that yeah. I would uh, I would not like either. Um, and that's sort of not even necessarily, I mean, I, some of it's about Jennings, but some of it's just like, you know, it's, it would just be a furthering of what we've already seen that we don't like, essentially. Absolutely. I Yeah, I was tweeting about it, and Jennings is said to be kind of an old school kind of GM, um, you know, values things like batting average and counting stats like RBIs. And look, um, that's not where the game is going right now. And I think the Braves would be at a disadvantage to bring in someone who, you know, in addition to Hart and a couple of the other folks, you know, with a real big say on the moves that, you know, the big moves that are going to determine whether or not the Braves are successful. I would rather not bring in, uh, you know, Jennings and have him and Hart running the show. Um, the other person, he's also with the Nationals, um, Doug Harris. Uh, he's been Mike Rizzo, the GM of the Nats. He's kind of been his right-hand man for a long time. Uh, Rizzo has come out and publicly backed him, and I guess we can probably talk about Harris too because so far it seems like either Dan Jennings or Doug Harris would be uh, kind of the top two uh, GM candidates if if Hart is going to stay on in the president role. Um, Harris is somebody who I like more. He's you know He's been said to be a strong scout and more into the analytics, and he certainly has plenty of experience. Um, as a side note, he battled blood uh, blood cancer earlier this year and has come out of that strong. Um, not that that's going to really have an impact one way or the other on what the Braves are going to do, um, but Harris is somebody who I would I would absolutely be more in favor of than than Jennings. Yeah, I think I'm uh, reading reading that same way. And again, I, I will cop to not knowing a ton about um, especially Harris. You know, we've seen Jennings work. You can go back and look at what he did in in, in uh, with the Marlins and. Uh, not something that I loved. Basically, looking back at his resume briefly before we recorded, it's like this is nothing that uh, was jumping off the page to me. It's not that big of a sample. He was not there for that long as the GM. Um, but the fact that he uh, – I, I still can't get over the fact that he just decided to manage the team uh, for part of the season. It was pretty, pretty amusing to me on a number yeah. of levels. Um, but, no, it's it's a weird spot. I mean, Mark Bowman reported that if Hart stays in the job, that Harris would be a top candidate. That makes sense. I mean, it's like – 
I don't know. You're if you're if you're gonna tell me that John Hart's in place and it almost almost has to be either an assistant GM somewhere or a former GM somewhere because uh, any any established guy from another team that's already a GM is not going to come to the Braves and to work for somebody else. I just don't see that happening unless you're taking a guy that's probably already on the hot seat somewhere else and they're trying to find like a parachute. Uh, Dayton Moore seems to be not on the hot seat, which kind of comes with the territory when you won a World Series uh, pretty recently. Uh, things yeah. have not gone terribly well in Kansas City since then, um, but at the same time, like that brings you a lot of goodwill for better or worse for a very, very long time, and he has that Braves connection, so it's super obvious as to why they want to talk to him, but I don't know. You know, if those are my only choices, I would definitely go with Harris over Jennings. But I would hope that the Braves are looking uh, far and wide. Uh, my concern is always with the Braves that they want to look at the Braves' way, quote unquote, and uh, don't want to get away from that. But you know, and that's kind of the reason why I don't want necessarily Hart making that decision. Um, but it's kind of up for debate as to how much uh, traction he has with Liberty Media and with Terry McGurk, who's the chairman. Um, there's been you know the people that want to tell you that Sherholtz don't have, doesn't doesn't really have any say anymore. They want to look at Terry McGurk, and you know McGurk's more of a business guy by a by a wide stretch. But in the end, it's I guess it's him making the hire and the decision because Liberty Media is so detached. So McGurk is sort of the face of that. Um, you know, I'm I'm not going to tell you that I know what he's going to do because I absolutely don't. But that's the big question, just because the timeline is not. They don't have to hire somebody right away, but right now they have essentially a lame duck manager. And they have a very lame duck, um, you know, head of the personnel department and whatever John Hart's title is, is going to stay or be if he's going to be there. Kind of regardless, I know that nothing's really happening right now, but it will be in a hurry. I mean, the playoffs are sort of a dead period for transactional stuff, but it's not like you can just put everything on hold. And, you know, it's not just copy that left too. you know, Kyle McDaniel's been reassigned now. Um, there was a couple of other guys that have been sh- never shifted around. There's there's the ma- there's the coaching staff, um, all, all that term, all that turnover. Yeah. And who's making cool. that decision? I don't know. Like. <laughs> It's yeah. Weird, man. yeah, yeah. There's there's not a lot of sense of direction right now, which is certainly concerning as somebody who's a fan and who follows the team. You know, Gordon Blakely as well, who had been with working with Copy for years, dating back to their days with the Yankees, is out. Uh, you know, I've said this a couple times now. While the manager thing, you know, with with Snicker, of course, is you know by all means, it's you obviously whoever's running your team as a manager has a big role. Uh, but at the same time, this hire of GM or president or whatever it's going to be is so much more important in the long run for the Braves than, you know, who's going to manage a team uh, next year. You know, say they make a couple of mod- modest moves this winter. Okay, so they're maybe at 80, 82 wins. Um, you know, if, if this was a 100-win te- team, I could see why you, you might raise a little bit more of a fuss over uh, over Snit being the manager for X's and O's. But at the end of the day, the, the GM opening is far, you know, it's, it's you know, obviously – uh, it, it's a huge hire, and the Braves need to really nail this one. Yeah, it's much more important. There's a reason why we have not. I mean, we talked about Snicker for a long time in advance of this stuff because we just obviously no, didn't know the copy stuff was coming. But uh, there's a reason we're now 20 minutes in and have not talked about Snicker really being coming the manager again for 2018. We kind of thought that was leading in that direction, but. The GM hire is so much more important, and obviously there's a scandal on top of that. But even if you just told me that Copy left for another job, um, it wouldn't. You know, that would still be the bigger story um, for me. It's all. It's that that front office, uh, especially on a team that's still rebuilding. You know, 2018. 
for as much as fans want to be excited about it, I don't I don't see a World Series contender in 2018, kind of no matter what happens. So the manager on, on that team is not going to be as big of a story as the front office, even if I did not like um, bringing Sticker back, and we'll talk about that in a second. But it's sort of the overall the overarching theme here is that it's just uncertainty, and you, you never want that if you're uh, if you're a fan of a team, if you're someone who covers a team, if you just want you know if you have vested interest, you just don't want that kind of. Uh, weirdness with the front office and I know some of it has to do with a, a situation that nobody could have expected but at the same time like there was already questions about it there was the Rosenthal report that we've talked about on the podcast a couple of times where he highlighted all this dysfunction and that had nothing to do with copy then you throw well I mean obviously it had something to do with copy but nothing to do with the sanctions and then you throw in this whole other thing that implicated other people in the front office and blah, blah, blah. How serious is it? Are they going to lose players? Are they going to, you know, there's all these question marks. And, you know, by the way, for those asking if we know things about um, the timeline or the severity, we, we don't know. I mean, I'd love to say that I know. I've heard a couple of things offhanded that I certainly would not sort, uh, sort of cite in this setting because, because you just don't know. Everybody's guessing, including people that are really close to the situation. There's a reason uh, not even, you know, people in the know are not even reporting what they think is going to happen here. I guess there's there's some, there's some sketchy stuff as to, you know, could they lose players? Sure, is, but it's not like someone's going out and they're reporting and saying, look, they're going to lose players, they're going to lose draft picks, blah, blah, blah. Like no, nobody knows, and especially not us. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that and in the past, you know, the the teams getting caught for cheating and with the international free agents and trying to line up 15, 16 year olds to to sign and and all that. I mean, that's nothing new to baseball, right? So this isn't some first of its kind scandal. Uh, me personally, and of course we'll have to kind of see, I know Major League Baseball over the last week or so has has been interviewing various front office employees with the Braves, but I don't imagine there's going to be that you know, big of a hammer coming down on Atlanta. Um, maybe I'll be wrong, but I just can't imagine. I mean, maybe they have to forfeit an international free agent or two. Um, it doesn't sound like they have a ton of proof, or at least publicly they haven't come out and said, you know, we know that, uh, you know, players X, Y, and Z are all part of this probe. You might be able to connect the dots. But again, you're connecting dots, and unless you're able to come up with proof and, and to, you know, be able to show that um, – you know, that one player was, you know, directly targeted and the Braves had under, you know, under the table deals with them. I'm just not sure that Major League Baseball is going to come down super hard on the Braves uh, when just about every team in baseball is is guilty of doing this. They just uh, haven't been caught. Yeah, there's going to have to be a bombshell that we don't know about at this point for them to, uh, you know, for it to be as serious and as sweeping in terms of the sanctions as people might seem like uh, that, that it might, because as, as you said there, um, you know, teams have been burned for similar things that have been reported to this point, and it's not been as crazy. You know, Kevin Maiton's the guy everybody likes to talk about because of the fact that, you know, he was photographed with a Braves hat on at the age of 15 or whatever it was. And, you know, he's sort of the obvious guy because he was the by far the biggest uh, international signing in the last couple of years. So he's the, he's the guy everybody's focused on. But, you know, it's important to note that as of right now, we know nothing um, in terms of uh, impropriety with, with Maiton. Uh, he's the biggest name, which is why he's the centerpiece of a lot of people people's questions and a lot of the reporting. But, um, every single report that's, that's out there right now with him specifically is that you know nobody's gotten anything on the Braves when it comes to Maiton. That could change. We it, it, it might already happen, and we don't know about it. But at the same time, like it's not just him. And I, I know that's you know that's one of the biggest questions that, we, that we've been getting on the site in the last week or so is like you know are, are we going to lose Maiton? It's like well maybe, but I, I would guess no based on the available information because you know it, it's a huge step for the, for Major League Baseball to say look this guy's going to be a free agent um, if nothing else 
um, and this, I can't remember who said this on Twitter, so I apologize. If, uh, it was a national reporter, but um, basically, it's sort of a nightmare for Major League Baseball to have a guy like that become a free agent, if only because it sort of highlights how crazy the system is right now. Yeah. Um, you know, Kevin Maiton might command fifteen million dollars, twenty million dollars, um, if he was suddenly a free agent somewhere, and he's still seventeen years old. And hasn't done anything, so you know it's 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 a, it's a wild system, and it sort of speaks to the fact that again, I, can't, I wish I remember, remember who was uh, sort of reporting on this, but it, I just it, it kind of blows me away, and it sort of struck me in that way that baseball has sort of a vested interest in not making a guy like that a free agent at, at the age of seventeen, an actual free agent that's not like restricted in any way. It would be kind of a crazy situation if he was suddenly available. So let's just file that away for your from your uh, for your memory in the future here, because I don't think that's going to be the scenario. It might be other things that happen that might lose. Graphics, they might lose bonus money. There's there's things that um, would be kind of severe that fans wouldn't necessarily even probably notice. I mean, people like you and I might notice it because we're super duper plugged in. But even um, even even a kind of diehard fan might might never notice. Aside from like the day that they get announced, that kind of sanction. That's probably where I would err. Yeah, yeah, and you know it's interesting to see is and again we we've talked about this for a while now, but again. It's not the first time this has happened. It's honestly, it's not the last time it's going to happen. You know, Keith Law was writing, I think, in his chat this week that, if anything, this should open up Major League Baseball's eyes to just a very real part of their sport. And obviously teams who build um, through international signings, um, you know, it's a huge part. I mean, it's you sign far more players internationally um, than you tend to sign in the draft, right? Uh, so it, it can really just be a... Oh, it could change baseball forever if baseball really wants to evaluate where they are with this whole program. Will they? I don't know. As you mentioned, it kind of makes them look really bad that, you know, well, why now? This has been going on for years. Is it just because someone got caught that you're going to overhaul all of your rules? Um, I'm not sure that's the case. And again, though, um, I would imagine within the next couple of weeks, we should get uh, some clarity from Major League Baseball. I don't think this is going to be something that kind of looms over uh, over the team all winter long and even in the next year. Yeah, hopefully this is going to be something where you know the reporting that it was talking about right after the World Series. I would I would hope and imagine that um, even if we don't get the full on sanctions, it's going to be a situation where we at least know who's going to be running the front office and we sort of have an idea of how severe it's going to be in the next I don't know month or so. That's something that I would probably expect to be happening. I could be speaking out of turn there, but it's something that I, I'm at least assuming and hoping will be the case as to uh, sort of in the in the immediate aftermath of the World Series, if not before that. Um, we should talk about SNP before we get out of here just because that did happen. I know you and I are sort of on the record with how we feel about SNP, but just the fact that they decided just to pick up the option I thought was interesting, and I mentioned before the, the heart angle on this. But, um, you know, SNP, for me, I asked the question immediately, like how, how soon is Brian Snicker on the hot seat? And I sort of, uh, sort of paused. May and I got a lot of responses that say why is he on the hot seat right now and sort of in a smart way it wasn't like in a snarky way necessarily I'm sure some of them were but um, if they hire a GM if you go out and hire Dayton Moore for instance is there anything to say that Dayton Moore won't come in and say all right Brian I know we just paid you for 2018 but it's time for mm. you to go away I guess they could I I think with just all the turnover that we've seen so far it almost makes sense I mean, I get why the Braves brought him back. I, you're, you're absolutely right. I guess the new GM could say one thing in his interview and then come in and go, oh, actually, we're going to fire you and I'm bringing in, you know, so-and-so. Um, just considering, you know, just who the Braves are looking at as GM, I can't imagine they're going to have a, you know, kind of a revolutionary come in who's going to fire the entire coaching staff and overhaul everything. But they might. I mean, you're right. There's nothing to say that if Dayton Moore or a, 
Dan Jennings or a Doug Harris or whoever comes in, they could. I mean, they're at that point, they're kind of the boss, um, especially if they're the president of baseball ops. So um, I guess they could. I don't think they would, but it, you can't really rule anything out at this point, can you? No, and again, yeah, I think that's, that's sort of far-fetched, but it's one of those things where I, it's, I, I, I know people sort of don't understand why I say this, but I really would have preferred that they gave Snicker another year uh, into 2019 if they were going to keep him. And I, and I don't want to keep him, so it's like, why would you want to give the guy an extra year if you don't want to keep him? And it's like, well, because then he doesn't have to manage like a crazy person in 2018. Like, Brian Snicker has, for every for all the stuff about him, I will defend him to a certain extent in that if you don't give the guy a real contract, he's going to manage like he's managing for his job. And I, I disagree with, with the stuff that he did in that way, but... I understand the natural reaction of a guy who's a veteran, who's a veteran sort of baseball lifer, and doesn't have a contract extension in the future to say, "Look, it's probably better for me if I win more games, and and I might feel like I, I can win more games if I play this guy more than this guy, or if I don't play the young guys as much, or all that yeah. stuff." Like, and that's that's not on him. That's on the organization for hiring a guy and not investing in him. And that's that was my whole deal when they gave him the contract originally. I didn't want them to hire Brian Snicker, but if you're going to hire the guy, hire the guy. And they still haven't. I still haven't corrected it. I sort of understand it now a little bit more because there isn't the person making that making that choice. But they didn't have to give Snicker the option. Now they could have waited until they hired a GM. Like there was no. I think it was like. I think the report was like they had they had a week after the World Series. That's another five weeks from now. They didn't have to say Brian, you're the manager. Nothing's happening in October. So I don't know if that was uh, John Hart making a power play since he's still sort of in charge or. Any of that stuff is on the table, but I will say this. It will look very, very strange if they pick up the option on Brian Snicker and then John Hart is not the GM, is not the you know the president of baseball operations anymore. That'll yeah. be, that'll be a, a very weird setup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, again, uh, it's going to be similar to 2017 with the setup for Snicker, how he's really just kind of there to be a placeholder. You know, who knows? I mean, maybe the Braves surprise us next year and win, you know, 88 games and win a wild card spot and make the playoffs. And all of a sudden, you know, Snicker's the manager for the next five years. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but again, I can, I can understand at least why the Braves want some, um, some steadiness from the manager when they know the front office is going to have, uh, some rough days ahead. But, um, I'm with you. It doesn't really make sense, you know, why you would extend Snit right away when they did have a couple weeks to make a decision. But at this point, I'm not sure anyone really knows what's going on in the front office, and we can only hope we that <laughs> there's some there's some clarity here in the coming weeks with who they hire. And I, I should note that I mean I made the joke several times, like, what are you possibly learning about Brian Snicker? Um, and I, I stand by that because if John Hart was going to be making the decision. He didn't need to wait. John Hart knows exactly what he's going to get in Brian Snicker. It just for me it doesn't make sense to have this uncertainty. Like I thought, if, I thought if they were going to give Snicker the option or pick it up or do whatever they did to keep him around, they were also going to do that for Hart, and they yeah. haven't done that. That's what yeah. makes it so. That, that's what makes it even weirder. Like I totally get you want some some level of stability with Brian Snicker has been in your organization forever and ever. Amen. But. You don't have any of that because even the coaching staff, there's been all this reporting about Terry Pendleton and Eddie Perez and even Chuck Hernandez as the pitching coach. Like basically everything that, you know, David O'Brien and Mark Bowman, it's almost like somebody's not going to be around on the coaching staff and they don't want to tell and they don't want to say who, they don't want to tell you exactly who it's going to be because they may not know. But like all indications are someone is not going to be back and it might be more than one person. 
But yeah. who's making that call? Is that Snickers' call as the manager? I, I doubt it because maybe he would have already made it. It's it's such a, I mean, I know I'm saying this over and over again, but it's so bizarre to cover this team right now. I mean, even if you're just a fan, I can't imagine how crazy it would be. And then you add another level or two for those of us who are trying to write about and analyze this team on a relatively serious level. Like, I just don't even know what to say. It's kind of, it's just wild to me. You know, it's one of the things that I took away from, I think it was Tuesday when the Braves officially announced that Snit was coming back. Uh, Mark Bowman tweeted that he had a, a longtime exec uh, text him and say that, well, you know, Snicker has never really had a talented team to see what he can do. And I generally agree with that. I mean, last year's team stunk, and this year's team uh, was nothing amazing. Um, But next year, there's going to be some talent on this team. I mean, Ronald Acuna figures to be on the opening day roster. You know, you get 162 of Albies. Uh, Hopefully, Swanson turns it around. You're going to get Gohara, who looked awesome. Uh, Even the guys like Max Freed, Lucas Sims coming up, you know, potentially a Colby Allard, a Mike Soroka, a Kyle Wright. So, there will be an increase, or at least you would imagine there would be an increase in the talent level next year. Um, again, I, I'm not Brian Snicker's biggest supporter in the world, but if the Braves truly want to kind of see this experiment out and see um, there's really no excuse for next year if the Braves only win you know, 72, 73 games again, uh, because he will have more talent, he should have a better bullpen, he should have at least a little bit more of a stable rotation Um Again, we'll see. I, I'm not real confident in that, but if they truly are committed to Snit, it would be a way for you know for him once and for all to see if he's a big league manager, or if you know he's going to spend the last five years or so of his career as an advisor of some sort in the front office. Yeah, I, I think we know. I, I understand that line of thinking in terms of if you were evaluating Sticker on wins and losses, which I think is insane. Like I think anybody evaluating Sticker on wins and losses based on the roster he's had the last two years, is that's not the way to do it. Uh, I think, you know, players players matter a lot more than managers. So, you know, if, 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 you're, if your whole thing about Snicker is that he's not been winning, you're looking at the wrong thing. Um, so I, I totally get that sentiment and that, look, yeah, I guess he's never had a team that's been competitive, but I think we kind of know that he's not a quality manager. And in terms of tactically, I know all this stuff, you know, it's important to say all the time that, the off-field stuff matters. The players love him. The players have gone for have gone to bat for him for a reason. You know, Freddie Freeman likes him quite a bit, obviously, and everybody likes Brian Snicker. You know, even the media likes Brian Snicker. It's not like a situation where he's this hated guy. Everybody likes him. I just think it's fairly clear after you know a full year and more of his uh, of him being the major league manager that he's a little bit overmatched in terms of a uh, str- from a strategic perspective. That's fine to say. You know, there there have been guys who've had a lot of success that were overmatched. Um, you know, Freddie Gonzalez managed a 96 win team. Was he a good manager? I don't think so, uh, frankly. <laughs> um, but it, it, again, it's, it's just it's very important to note that like players matter. And if Brian Snicker had had that roster Freddie Gonzalez had, he probably would have won 96 games. So yeah. it's it, there, there, it has to be it has to be has to be about more than just wins and losses with a manager. That's kind of always the case because if you give a guy an all-star roster, he's gonna win. Like it's only so much you can screw up as a manager. It's all right. it's all this peripheral stuff, and it'll drive you crazy. But Carlos, you know, Carlos always used to say this. Former co-host, current guest, all the time on the podcast, like you know, the worst manager in the world. Like he almost doesn't care, and I, I sort of understand that because at the end of the day, like is a manager ever gonna be worth worth more than two or three wins in either direction in a full season? Probably not. 
Like you can have the worst manager. I mean, unless you're actively trying to lose, which nobody's going to do. Like there's almost there's always so much damage that Brian Sticker can do, especially in the regular season. We you know in the playoffs, it becomes more magnified. As we've seen if you watched baseball the last week or so, there's been some absolute absolute craziness with bullpens and like that stuff gets magnified 100. percent And that's what kind of undid Freddie in a lot of people's minds was the hit was his was his management in the playoffs. But in the regular season, it's pretty straight ahead the majority of the time. Like you can you yeah. can mess up, but. I don't know. It's you have to look beyond that. I, I totally get why people might think like, "Oh, Snitz never had players." And I'm like, "Yeah, if you were thinking that it was Snitz's fault that this team wasn't winning, then you're insane." Yeah, but it doesn't yeah. mean he's a good manager. <laughs> it's, it's yeah, I think you know. I think winning fixes a lot of things. I mean, it almost fixes everything, right? And you know, this is the first time since the '80s the Braves have had four losing seasons in a row. And when you have people who have been around the franchise for a long time and you know, for the first time in you know, 25, 30 years, you're losing games like you, you've never done really before. Um, you can, it's easy to see why there might be some trouble and, you know, trouble in paradise, so to speak. And at the end of the day, if you're winning games, uh, you know, things don't get magnified nearly as much. If, if you're winning 95 games a year, you know, do you really care if, if the, you know, if the manager is mismanaging the seventh inning of game, you know, 102? No, not really. Cause you, you know, you're going to win 95 games. So at the end of the day, I think, and it's a lot easier said than done, of course, but just getting back to winning ways solves a lot of things, regardless of if it's Brian Snicker in the, you know, in the dugout, if it's somebody else, if it's Dayton Moore in the front office, if it's John Hart, if it's Doug Harris, if it's somebody we haven't even mentioned on this show yet. So uh, winning, I think, kind of cures all and hopefully, because uh, I really would like to not watch losing seasons anymore. It's getting kind of old. I mean, it, it's, it's a perfect example. I, to go back to Freddie Gonzalez, like, I think people like you and I knew during the course of them winning nine, six games that Freddie Gonzalez was not a good manager. Yeah. There was a 0% chance they were going to fire a 96 win manager. Sure. That just doesn't yeah. happen. And, and I totally get it. I get why it's the optics and all that stuff. But I mean, you could put the worst manager in the world on this year's Yankee. I mean, this year's Indians or this year's Dodgers and they were going to win a hundred games. And like that guy's not going to get fired because he's going to win a hundred games. So yeah. it's just, it's all nuance. And I, I totally agree that if, you know, if, if they'd given Snit a good team, he wouldn't quote unquote be on the hot seat. He would be hearing it from people like you and I that sort of dig down deeper. But I totally get it from that standpoint that he'd be a lot safer if he had been given a better roster. And, and then that's not on him, which totally is fair to say. Um, but I'm skeptical that he's suddenly going to just change the way that he manages and be better at his job if he has good players. <laughs> it's just yeah. kind of, we have to look a little bit deeper, I think. Yeah. And, you know, again, as I, I said a few minutes ago, the good news is the talent is coming now. Who knows if this talent's going to turn into a winning product? And, and, you know, certainly there's the Braves have other things to do besides just wait on their kids to come. We talked about it a little bit. Uh, you know, they need to start acquiring outside talent. They need to be active on the free agent market. Uh, you know, they don't necessarily need to lock up a couple guys to a hundred year or, you know, a hundred million dollar deals. A hundred years would be good. good, good <laughs> well, <too>. you know, <laughs> right. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, they, they do need to start bringing in some outside talent and we'll see. I mean, who knows what the roster is going to look like here in five or six months. Um, hopefully they, you know, regardless of who the GM is, they're able to bring in some outside talent. It's similar to what uh, Copy actually said in his kind of postseason uh, interview with Buster only maybe two weeks ago that they need to start bringing in outside talent. They've kind of done their work uh, on the farm and now it's time to use some of those assets to bring in outside talent. Um, you know, of course you have to make good decisions whenever you start to use your, you know, your outside talent. But, um, again, there's, a, we've kind of at least reached the end of the tunnel. Um, and I would imagine 2018, 2019, we'll start to see if, if the rebuild was successful or not. 
Yeah, and I promise on the podcast we're going to talk some baseball stuff. Like, there's lots of lots of decisions to be made on the roster, you know, trades, all that stuff. But and for now, it's you know, it's almost moot. Like, we're going to do some player review stuff. We're going to do all that stuff. I promise that we had that all planned. But right now, it just seems like uh, it seems pretty silly to discuss the bullpen um, when you're talking about uh, sort of the organizational chaos that's gone on. So I wanted to at least hit on that stuff today. And appreciate you coming on and doing that, man. Um, yeah, anything you got coming? Um, I know it's sort of we've been thrown into chaos as a site as well, scrambling. <laughs> we we did a couple of uh, a massive uh, like sort of record number uh, traffic days on the site, so that's that's a good thing because uh, yeah. it's always good for the site, but uh, not great for the organization. But you got anything coming that we should get out there? If not, you know, tell people where they can find you all that all that fun stuff. Yeah, yeah, I know. This week, um, uh, both Demetrius and Ivan are going to have really good stuff. Uh, it sounds like on Tuesday again, barring. Something crazy going down. Um, Ivan's going to have an in-depth look at the bullpen, which is always good. And then Demetrius uh, will be re- kind of recapping the infield, which um, you know is actually pretty good as a whole, especially once Alves yep. came up. Um, of course, shortstop was a little bit of a black eye, and, and third base uh, we kind of knew we were getting into, but there's at least brighter days ahead with the infield with Freddie and Ozzy, and hopefully a bounce back Dansby, and, and we'll see what happens at third. But um, so we will start some of the, the postseason uh, recaps. And of course the daily, uh, you know, the threads are open every day for, you know, if you want to watch and chat along with other fans uh, during the playoff game. So uh, my, my Indians and Diamondbacks prediction looks 50% good right now. Uh, I'm not sure my D-backs are going to pull it off. I made that prediction, of course, last week for the World Series. Your, D- your D-backs. Stop my D-backs. D-backs. I yes. am, yeah. So, you know, it was a little, it was a little off, the, uh, off the cuff to hopefully, uh, you know, look like a real smart guy here in a month. But it um, doesn't look like that's going to happen. But last I looked, the Indians, we're recording this Sunday night, Indians and Yankees were tied in the fourth or fifth inning. So, uh, so far, I think the, the games have been pretty entertaining, pretty good. Um, and really, I think at the top, uh, this year's playoff teams are just really good. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun to watch baseball. Uh, by the way, did you happen to see the like the sort of Dave Stewart victory lap this week? Because I yes. really, I really enjoyed yeah. that immensely. <laughs> as someone, uh, you know, obviously we, we've chronic we've well chronicled the uh, the Braves uh, sort of thieving from the D backs, but uh, so I really enjoyed Dave Stewart acting like he was the greatest general manager in history of baseball this week. It was fun. I think his his direct quote was a lot of people didn't understand why I was making the moves that I was making. And yes, Dave, you're right. <laughs> Nobody yes, understood. Yes, Dave. No one understood why you traded Dansby Swanson and Arenciarte for Shelby Miller. That That yeah. was not a good idea. Yeah. Uh, and but by hey. the way, and by the way, and I know it's actually funny. There's, there's Braves fans that want to get, every time we talk about this on, on the side or on the podcast, there's like some Braves fans that want to say it wasn't that great of a trade. And it was like, because mostly because of Aaron Blair. And by the way, you know, Ender and Ciarte by himself for Shelby Miller would have been a great trade for the Braves. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then, by the way, the, you know, here's here's Dansby Swanson. The uh, less than what was it six months after he was drafted number one overall, we're just gonna throw him into. Here he is. Yeah. Yeah. He might it's... bust still. By the way, and even then, it will still be a good trade for the Braves. Dansby Swanson absolutely. could be terrible, and it will be a good trade for the Braves. And it would be a good trade. Yes, absolutely. I mean, yeah. Um, I just want to say that hey, out loud because it was, it was yeah, a lot of shout fun. Out, so, shout out Dave Stewart. Yeah, I just want to end on a little bit of a lighter note. Obviously, it's been a pretty heavy, <laughs> pretty heavy situation last week, but I really enjoyed Dave Stewart uh, taking the victory lap because uh, Braves fans uh, got kicked out of that in a big way. Uh, well, Scott, thanks, man, for doing this as always. Uh, I will try to not have you on every single week, but right now it's uh, abject chaos, and I appreciate your willingness to come on and talk about it. 
Hey man, I'm here. I'm always happy to come on. It's always uh, it's always good stuff, and hopefully we got. I have a feeling over the next couple of weeks we'll have plenty to talk about. Yeah, stuff's gonna be happening. If nothing else, there'll be some hot stove eventually, and somebody's gonna be a GM. I'm not sure who it's gonna be, but they have to hire one. So we'll have yeah. that to talk about for sure. Well, thanks, Scott. Yeah. And uh, of course, but- as for everybody else, we'll uh, come back uh, shortly. If nothing happens between now and next week, I'm not sure 100% we're going to have a podcast, but I have a, a very good feeling that something's going to happen the next week that we'll be talking about. So at some point, I'm going to take a week or two off, but it won't be this week, I don't think. So stay tuned for all that fun stuff. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, all that fun stuff. Check out the site on a daily, hourly, minutely basis. And there's always something going on at foggychop.com. So visit us. Thanks all for everybody. Enjoy the rest of the week. to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.